so that no one can boast. But then in James, he says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So I kept on being like, great, I'm saved. And then I was like, oh man, I don't know if I'm saved. And uh, just kept going up and down. Another one is in Romans. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But then in Philippians, same person writing, Paul's writing this, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So I felt that fear and trembling. I feel that right now, being up here. Uh, work out your sermon with fear and trembling. <laughs> so the main point I want to express here, and what I finally came to the conclusion of, is that obedience is the evidence of our faith. That's the works. It's yeah. the evidence that we believe in God. Yeah. So um, I was learning in school, Bible school, that 
the Bible was written for all of mankind, but it was only written to a specific audience originally. So Paul, the Bible, you know, we, we can all apply the Bible, but Paul was writing to a certain audience. And in our case with 1 John, John was writing to a specific audience. It's important for us to understand what was it like for them? What was history like at that time? So that we can get into their mindset of how they read scripture. Because yeah. when you understand how the original reader took scripture, then you know how to apply it to yourself. You're seeing it through the right lens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to walk you through a little bit of what life was like in John's time when he was writing this letter. There were two major things going on in culture at this time. Um, one, in the secular world, there were what were called mystery cults. And in these mystery cults, they believed that to attain salvation, you had to acquire what was called secret knowledge. And this knowledge would allow you to basically determine your eternity. And to get it, you had to do all of these works. You had to do this, 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 and some weird things like get a bull sacrificed on top of you and blood all over your body. It's just really weird. I'm glad that's not Christianity. Uh, they called this, though, the age of anxiety. That's what this time was called because everyone is so anxious. Am I saved or am I not? How do I get the secret knowledge? How do I get saved? In the church, there was something called Gnosticism. This was a heretical belief that was spreading all over the church. And uh, John is really combating this belief. And Gnosticism is kind of complex, but in a nutshell, it's basically Christian thought mixed with Greek mythology. So you've got some weird stuff going on. People are wondering, who is Jesus? Is he just a spirit? Is he just a body? What am I? Does it matter what I do um, with my body? If my spirit is what is going to heaven, there's just so much confusion. So you see both in the church and outside the church, people were confused. No one understood what is salvation, who is God. I don't get it. The beautiful thing about John, which I love so much about him, is that he paints in black and white. Yeah. He is so contrasting ideas. He doesn't make it vague or mysterious. He just says, this is this, this is this. This is light, this is dark. And we're going to take a look at that. So in the beginning of our passage today, uh, John is contrasting two ideas. You've got the children of God and the children of the devil. Um, and just to give an example for this, give some context, I'm going to read one verse before our uh, passage starts this week. So this was a verse from last week's passage. It's verse 10. It says, uh, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So you've got children of God, children of the devil. The difference is one loves their brother and practices righteousness. The other one doesn't. That's John's definition of you belong to God or you don't. Uh, so he makes it nice and clear. I'm just going to leave that down there. <laughs> what he's saying is what you practice defines who you are. Okay. Say it again. What you practice defines who you are. What your life looks like defines who you are. It matters. Um, in 
the Gospel of John, so written by the same guy, but it's, it's his story of Jesus. Uh, chapter 13, verse 35, he says, uh, by this, Jesus is speaking here, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So what Jesus is saying is, um, love is the mark of discipleship. Love is the mark of discipleship. Again, that's what makes the difference. It's your love for one another. That's what makes us belong to God. So this is what John is saying. Um, and I want to ask you, what are you practicing? Where's, which side are you on right now? What does your life look like? So love is what makes the difference. But it's important for us to know what kind of love John is talking about. So what is this love? While you're studying scripture, um, if you want a little tip on how to understand, if you're reading a book in the Bible and you want to understand what is the main point the author is trying to portray here, Look at repeated words. If there's a lot of the same word they're saying, it can give you a glimpse into what he's trying to say when he's writing the message, the point he's trying to get across. So, for instance, um, in 1 John, John uses the word love 36 times in only five chapters. So, as a comparison, the Gospel of John, which is 21 chapters, he uses it 26 times. So, 10 times less in way more chapters so in a little tiny book of five chapters 36 times is he's really trying to get through this love idea he says in verse 16 by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay our lives down for the brothers this is Paul, uh, excuse me, John's definition of what love is according to God, and it's very different than the world's idea of what love is. Um, he's saying that real love is sacrificial. It is laying your life down for one another, not seeking your own benefit. It is not the culture of the world. It's the culture of heaven. It's the culture of God. Um, about this time last year, June of last year, um, I was finishing my Bible school, and we had to come home early because of COVID. So I was finishing the last few books um, here in America, and there was a moment, um, I was studying the book of Matthew, and there was this moment where this contrast became so clear to me between the way the world is and the way God is. Um, if you remember last year, Around this time, there were riots that were all over America. Many of them in Bellevue and in areas just right next to us. And I was sitting, studying Matthew, um, hearing about all of these riots, and there was so much violence, there was so much anger, there was so much bitterness and hurt. And I was studying um, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is the one sermon that he gave when he was on earth. And I just want to read some of the things that he said in his Sermon on the Mount that really, um, it made the contrast so, so clear to me. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
For they shall be called sons of God. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Do not retaliate. The world loves those who love them. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that hit me so hard when I was reading that. And just, you could feel the anger in the atmosphere of just people, just in the coffee shop I was sitting when I was studying, you could feel everyone was angry, everyone was hurting. And I'm reading these words from Jesus. And this is what Jesus modeled to us. When he died, he was on a false trial, yet he never spoke a word. He was abused physically. He was abused verbally. He never retaliated. And he was hung on a cross, killed by us. And one of the last things he said was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The question that I ask myself, and that I ask you, is, is the world teaching you how to love, or are you teaching the world? Is the world teaching you how to love, or are you teaching the world? That is, we are the light of the world. That's why we're here. Not to take an example of the world, but to show the world the example. Another word that John focuses on, and the word uh, that's our sermon series name, is abide. This is a really amazing word. Um, Growing up, I always thought the word abide meant... This is how I would buy it. I would go into my room, turn off the lights, light some candles, turn on some worship music, lay on the floor for two hours. And I'm abiding. (laughs) (laughs) I was shocked when I was in school and I was reading what the Bible actually says. And it says it loud and clear. I don't know how I missed it. Uh, In verse 24, John says, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us so John is saying the way you abide is keeping the commandments of God Uh, Jesus says in uh, the gospel of John chapter 15 verse 10 he says if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. The point that they're saying is, to abide is to obey. That's the definition of being in God, in the love of God. To abide with Him is to obey Him. When I was young, um, I think I was like three, according to my mom's historical statement. (laughs) (laughs) I heard God speak to me for the first time, and it wasn't like an audible voice. It was something inside of me, but I knew it wasn't me. Even at a young age, I knew it was not me, and he said how much he loves me. From that moment, he and I began a relationship, and he became my best friend. We would do everything together. CJ told me not to cry, so I'm just going to 
<laughs> As I began to understand that God had a way of life that he wanted me to live, I started to resist him. When I started to learn that there are commandments, that there are things that God is asking us to do and to let, let go of, I didn't want to do it. Um, I never doubted God was real. I never doubted he was real, but I didn't want to obey him. And as I went on my own way and started doing my own things, I could sense the distance growing between him and me. I can remember moments when he would call out to me and he would ask me to come back to him. And I felt this conflict in my heart because I loved God, but I also loved sin. I fell in love with the sinful things I was doing, and I couldn't, I couldn't choose God anymore because I wanted this. I wanted to do my own thing. The more I went on my own way in life, the more chaotic my life became. I was lying to my parents. I was losing my friends. I was isolating myself and doing things that I promised myself I would never, ever do. I had so much anger and fear in me, but the whole time, God never stopped calling me back to Him. So finally, after driving my life into the ground, I hit rock bottom. I had devastated my purity. I had uh, broken relationships, and I had betrayed my promises that I had made to God as a child. I was at the end of myself, and I cried out to God, Father, please forgive me. Please save me. My life is just a wreck. And he did. He was always there waiting. And as soon as I turned, he helped me. He took my hand. And I've been running with him ever since, never looking back. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, it wasn't until this time in my life when I realized why God has rules. In Romans, Paul calls God's law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. In the Psalms, David sings of how he loves God's law and how it brings him to life. In Deuteronomy, which is the book of the law, if you're looking for God's law, it's in Deuteronomy. That is the book of the law. After almost every commandment that God gives, he repeatedly says, so that life will be well with you. Yeah. That is the heart behind the rules. That's right, yep. Thank you, Lord. And this is the message of the gospel. I want to sing a song to you, just a little bit of a song. Um, that really, I think, embodies this message. And it's a song that uh, we sing in church sometimes. We have a saying here. But this is the story of my life, and maybe it's the story of your life, or maybe you're still in the process of it. If you know it, um, you can sing with me. Hopefully this isn't awkward. <laughs> it was like this. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. 
Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The fallen arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This is the message of the gospel. Yes, thank you. Jesus paid the price so that we could all be in relationship with God. People are crying, it's just making me. Guys, obeying God doesn't mean that we never sin. We make mistakes. We stumble. Jesus died so that he could justify us and forgive us when we do. Yes, amen. In Romans, um, Paul is talking about he's trying so hard to obey God, but he keeps messing up. But he gets back up and he keeps trying. He says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. As long as we get back up and we keep trying, Amen. that is what makes us saved. That is what puts us in God, in the, in the family of God. Our love for God is what fuels our passion to obey Him. Yes. When I was reading scripture, I've never read, read through the Bible before the whole way. In the school, we read through it five times in nine months. And every day, I loved it. It was never hard. Why? Because God put the love for the Word in me. And it was effortless. And this is what happens when we fall in love with God. The commandments just happen. We just are compelled to do it. Yes. It's not a burden. It was never meant to be a burden. That's right. Jesus says... In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you about commanding and obeying him. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the heart of God behind obeying him. It's so that we can live life the way it was always meant to be. Amen. Full of joy, full of life full of love, close to God. Obedience is the evidence of our faith. Obedience is the evidence of our love for God. Um, I'm just going to ask Brandon if he can come up and play some keys for us. Would you close your eyes with me and bow your heads? This is a we're just going to respond to this. It's going to be a personal time between you and God. If you are listening to this message and you're hearing what God is like and you want to belong to Him, you can right now. It begins with a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to uh, raise your hand if you would like to receive Jesus in your heart. And 
Every eye is closed. No one's looking around. This is between you and him, but it helps me to know who to pray for. So I'm going to count to three, and this is a big moment. But it's a moment we'll never, ever regret. Those of you who are online, God sees your hands. So I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Can I raise your hands? Thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you like, subscribe, and share it with a friend?